0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. I hope you're well. I apologize that I missed last week's Parsha, Parsha's Akev. Actually, it happens to be that Parsha's Akev is my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. It was my birthday this past week, and I happened to be that I was away. So in honor of my birthday and me being away, that's really the truth, I wasn't able to record, but now I'm back at it with another great episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. I hope you enjoy. And before we begin, as always, if you'd like to reach out, say hello, or perhaps you'd like to send me an email to wish me happy birthday, please feel free to send me an email at Shlomo K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parshas Sre'eh. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses is continuing his speech to, Jewish, to the Jewish people before he's about to hand over the mantle of leadership to Yeshua, before the Jewish nation is going to enter the land of Israel to give them instruction of what to do, what not to do. And really now, in the next three parshios of Re, Shoftim, and Kitzetze is the bulk of the commandments that are given in the book of Devarim. And specifically, Re, this week's parsha starts off with Moshe Rabbeinu telling the Jewish nation that they have a choice. The choice of blessing and curse is before them. And when the Jewish nation is going to cross the Jordan, they're going to have this, the blessing and curses on Har Evel and Har Grizim, where they're going to have to answer Amen, and to the blessings and to the curses. And the commentaries explain the different meanings as to why Moshe Rabbeinu was doing this now, before this ceremony happened. And some explain that Moshe Rabbeinu was sort of telling the people that the process to how the blessings and the curses will manifest itself is starting already today. Now the parsha also deals with the sanctity of the land of Israel, as well as the permission to eat unconsecrated meat, to the laws of ritual slaughter. And the Torah tells us about the false prophet, that even if a false prophet comes and makes signs uh, and tells us to not listen to Hashem, you cannot listen to Him. The Parsha continues with the Meses Umeidiach, as well as the Ir Anidachas. These are situations where a person tries to entice another Jew to sin and and a city where that's a wayward city and how we deal with them and what how, what do we do with a city that's classified as the, Ir Anidachas. In this week's Parsha, there's also a focus on permitted and forbidden foods, as well as tithing and tzedakah, different laws of tzedakah, to be kind, to do chesed. The Parsha finishes off with the laws of a Jewish bondsman, as well as the obligation to make a a three-times-a-year pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Pesach, Shavuos and Sukkot. The first idea I wanted to share with you today focuses in on the beginning of the parsha. So, as I mentioned before, Moshe Rabbeinu, before he gets into the actual mitzvot of this week's parsha, he tells the Jewish people that the choice to be blessed to be cursed is set in front of you. And if you read the verses, the verse reads as follows see I present before you today a blessing and a curse and I've mentioned on last year's podcast that the wording of no you know con know this idea that every person has a choice to do either good or bad and it's up to us but what I wanted to focus on today is the next part or the next verses the second Pesach of the Parsha, the second verse of the Parsha reads as follows. Es ha-bracha asher tishmu el mitzvois Hashem elokeichem asher anochi mitzavah eschem ayom The blessings that you hearken to the commandments of Hashem your God that I command you today. And the next verse continues. V'haklala im lo yisishmu el mitzvois Hashem elokeichem v'sartem in ha-derach asher anochim mitzavah eschem ayom l'leches achere elokim acherem asher lo yedatem. And the next verse reads as follows. And the curse, if you do not hearken to the commandments of Hashem, your God, and you stray from the path that I command you today, to follow gods of others that you did not know. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people that if you listen to the Torah, you'll be blessed. And if you don't listen to the Torah, all the curses will, God forbid, come upon the Jewish people. Now, if you look in Rashi, Rashi has an interesting point that it says, and is based on the Talmud, it says, Es tishmuel mitzvot, Hashem asher eschem hayom. He says, the commandments that I'm putting upon you today, Rashi tells us, based on the Gemara, the Talmud tells us that when it says hayom in the Pasuk, that the commandment is that the mitzvot should be fresh to us as if they were commanded to us today. That we should look at every mitzvah, an opportunity to do mitzvot, as if it's the first time we're doing it. That there's a certain excitement. You know, a bar mitzvah boy, someone who's becoming bar mitzvah for the first time, when he puts on tefillin, there's a certain excitement. There's a certain freshness that one has when you do the mitzvah. Similarly, when you, you know, the first time when we have matzah on the first seder. We enjoy it more. We're excited. We get into it. So similarly, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he's giving this commandment to the Jewish people to follow in the mitzvot, he's telling them, don't just do the mitzvot, but do them as if they were commanded to you to do today. It should be fresh with an excitement. That you should be happy when you do the mitzvot and an enjoyment, not just doing them out of routine and of rote. To have this Excitement for mitzvos, But the question is, is that how does this concept of hayom, that this hayom which connotes excitement, freshness, fit into the second part of the pasach, the next verse of the pasach? Because the next verse says that if we don't listen to the mitzvos and we stray from the path that we were commanded today, right? So then, then all the curses are going to come upon us, God forbid. It can't be that if somebody doesn't do the mitzvos with excitement that he's going to get a curse. And to make this question even stronger, to follow other gods, if someone follows another god that has that's a complete rejection of the Torah. It doesn't have to do, you know, that's much more removed and much further from someone who does mitzvos without excitement. So the question is is how do we understand this idea, this concept that the Talmud tells us, that Hayom, when the Torah tells us Hayom, that we should, the commandment Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people to follow the mitzvot, to learn Torah, that, that he's commanding us today, it should be this certain freshness and excitement that we should do the mitzvot with enthusiasm. How does the same word, right? We, it has to connote the same thing. How does that fit into the next verse where the next verse is telling us that if we don't listen and we don't hearken and we follow after other gods, so then the curse will come upon us, right? The same word, Hayom, is used there as well. Chassam Sofer provides a deep psychological insight that helps us understand the usage of the word Hayom in the context of the blessings and the curses. He says as follows, when people don't feel enjoyment in what they're doing, they don't exude enthusiasm they don't exude enthusiasm so then they'll look elsewhere for their happiness you know why do people get involved in drugs why do they get involved in bad habits right these things are are you know temporary fixes to make someone feel good right why do the youth get pulled with that it's because they can't find happiness in the right places and the some Sefer is telling us here something very deep and fundamental, that when it comes to our our Yiddishkeit, when it comes to our spirituality, it can't just be that we're just doing routine. We're not just doing the mitzvahs because we're doing them and that's what we did, that's how we were trained, or that's what we do as Jews. I mean, sure a person gets a mitzvah for everything that they do, they're going to get rewarded, but that's not something which is going to lead to long-term growth and effects on ourselves and on our children. Because, you know, we're not going to get fulfillment from that. Maybe we'll do it. We'll do those mitzvos, But we're not going to get inner fulfillment and joy from them. We'll start looking somewhere else. You know, and what will be with our children if we just do our religion by rote, on autopilot, on cruise control? How are our children going to look to the Torah? What are they going to think about Judaism? Is that something which they're going to want to follow in? Is that where they are going to get their inspiration, to get their fill, to get their joy, to get their inspiration? They're, they might go to other places. And unfortunately today, you see Jewish kids, they look all over the world for inspiration and they forget that the Torah, they have it right in front of them. The, the, the gold is right under their feet and everything they need for life, inspiration, growth, joy, fulfillment, is all there in the Torah but unfortunately since the Torah is was maybe not given over to them in a way of joy in a in a way of enthusiasm enthusiasm they're looking in other places and the message for us even you know forget about looking at others let's look at ourselves for a minute when it comes to our spirituality when it comes to our mitzvah observances when it comes to us learning Torah it's intrinsic, it's essential that we find fulfillment in what we're doing. We, we don't just do mitzvos, but we do it with a bren in Yiddish, with a fire, we do it with a joy, we do it with enthusiasm. Now, you might ask me, how do you do that? How do you have a joy in doing mitzvot? How do you have a joy in learning Torah? That's a great question. And for some, that means learning the reasons of why we do things. Why do we make kiddish Friday night? Why do we put on tefillin? Why do we learn Torah? Right? That's one way of having a deeper connection to get the fulfillment, to have that enthusiasm, to have that motivation, to have that excitement. For others, it's maybe looking at the Kabbalistic side of things. You know, and there's a whole, you know, world of thought of Hasidus of opening, you know, looking things on a different on a deeper level, in a different way, that can sort of bring out the excitement for others. For others, it's delving into the depth of the Torah and to 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 connect in that way. But the bottom line is is that if we don't have that motivation, that enthusiasm, so we're not gonna be able to sustain ourselves in the long term. And all the more so when it comes to the next generation, we're not gonna be able to give over the importance and the beauty of Judaism to the next generation. So, if, But if we have that excitement and that passion and that zeal for Torah, for mitzvos, and it's visible on us, it's, it's real, so then ourselves, we feel fulfilled and it spills over. It's, that's the biggest message we can give over to our children and to those around us, our friends, our family, because they see how happy we are with our lives and how much fulfillment we're getting. So we're role modeling of what the Torah has to offer and what it can do for every person. A second idea I wanted to share with you today focuses in on the prohibition of following a false prophet. And the Torah tells us that even if a prophet comes to us and tells us to do something not that the Torah says, and gives a a sign, or does a quote-unquote miracle, you still have to listen to Hashem. And the verse reads, Hashem, your God, shall you follow, and Him shall you fear. His commandments you shall observe, and to His voice shall you hearken, him shall you serve, and to him shall you cleave. That, you o- that we always have this commandment to follow Hashem no matter what. Even if we see a quote-unquote prophet doing miracles, but he's telling us to do something that's not according to the Torah, cannot listen to him. Listen to Hashem. And the Chavetz Chaim asks if this last Pasuk regarding a false prophet is telling us, to follow Hashem, to be close to Him, why does it start off with the word acharei? The acharei with the yud connotes a certain distance. Certain words have certain connotations and the word acharei with the yud tells us, signifies distance. It would make more sense, you know, especially in the light that we're talking about, being close to Hashem, following Hashem, cleaving to Hashem, that she used a different word. Maybe achar, right? Afterwards. What's the acharei? Which is distance. It, it doesn't fit into the context of what we're discussing in this Pesach, what we're discussing in this verse. The Chaim says that from the fact that the Torah uses the word acharei, which is a word that signifies space, which signifies distance, teaches us something very important, that no matter how far a person feels that they are from Hashem, how distant they are, we should never give up to be close. We should always have hope. You know, one of the tactics of the Yetzirah of the evil inclination is to make a person be misya'esh. That means to make a person give up. You know, you're so bad There's no point even trying to be better. Give up now. And he tricks us into not even trying to be a better person to improve ourselves. Because we have this false belief that there's no hope for us. The Torah is telling us here, that's the furthest from the truth. Because no matter how far a person falls, no matter how low a person feels they are, there's always hope for a person to improve themselves. And we know it's brought down from the great Hasidic master of Nachman of Breslev that he says, Kol doleik that as long as the candle is burning, we can fix things up. That means as long as we're alive, we have the opportunity, we have the ability to fix, to improve ourselves, to... Come closer to Hashem. And the the pasuk here specifically connotes the word achare, which is telling us distance to show us, to teach us, that even if we feel far from Hashem, really far, we're down, we've done averos, we've done really bad averos, and we think there's no hope, that no, we can cleave to Hashem. We can follow Hashem. We can follow in his la- in his ways. We can do teshuva. We can return, and there's no person that's too far. You know, many times when we do something bad, we don't feel good about ourselves, and that leads us to doing more things bad. And it's sort of, you know, as soon as we start thinking and believing that we're a bad person, it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy, and the truth is. That a person who starts thinking that they're bad will find themselves in this cycle of doom and they won't be able to improve because they think they're bad and they there's no hope for them. But as soon as we believe that we could become better in any area, so then we'll be able to find the strength to improve. You know, maybe it's not overnight. Sure, it takes motivation. But the first step is knowing that we can be better and we can improve. And this is what the Chavetz Chaim is teaching us in this this Pasuk, in this week's Parsha. Because no matter how far we are, we should never despair. We should always keep our focus on what we can do and how we can become closer to Hashem. It's brought down, that Rav Chaim of Tzans, the great Hasidic master, once said to someone who was doing bad, don't think that because you give in to your Yetzara, you give in to your evil inclination in some areas, you have to be evil in all areas. That we shouldn't let ourselves be tricked by the Yetzara by the evil inclination, that because we fall in one specific area, so therefore everywhere we can be bad. And this is actually one of the biggest misconceptions about Judaism, that it's either all or nothing. Sure, we we aspire to do all the mitzvahs in the Torah, all 613. But at the same time, we have to recognize and remember that it's not all or nothing. We can still do one mitzvah and gain from it. Just one mitzvah. Even if somebody is a completely wicked person, but yet they they do one mitzvah, they're going to get rewarded for the mitzvah, and that mitzvah makes them better. It's not all or nothing. We can aspire to do, to do, take a step to do something small, and sure, we want to work on a path to becoming totally observant to, to doing all the mitzvot. But Rome was not built in a day, and realistically, the best way to take a step forward is by taking one step. You know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. And you know, when we recognize that we have the ability to improve and to become better and to have that connection and we take one step in one area, we're already a long way to our goal. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or just maybe send me an email, wish me happy birthday, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishalmakonkohn at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.